Somebody texting in this morning, how dare two men try to rig an election against a woman? That's not very liberal. Well, actually, no. If you uh, treat your rivals, no matter what their gender, as uh, equals and as a political threat, I would say that actually is more about equity, isn't it? Let's find out what Deb Hutton thinks, former advisor to two Ontario premiers, now a communications advisor, and today work in the morning brief. Good morning, Deb Hutton. Good morning, John Moore. Okay, so how do you frame this? Uh, I, I called it a suicide pact, but uh, two of the candidates gearing up to try to defeat Bonnie Crombie by effectively gaming the ranked ballot system. Well, yeah, and the whole reason you go to one person, one vote, which sidebar to that, John, is I think it's an out-of-date system already by the time the Liberals got it uh, uh, adopted within their party, but different topic for a different day. The whole point is that there isn't that backroom dealing. There aren't the side deals. It isn't the, you know, the, the old style of politics. So these guys have actually turned that on its head, and I don't think to their advantage, quite frankly, because there's no proof that it'll actually come to fruition. In other words, she could win on the first ballot she could win on the second ballot and if one of them is not in the last place the way the system works then who cares what their second choice is yeah i also look at this and i still haven't quite framed why you know bonnie has to be blocked i i think any of these people would probably be a fine leader for a party that at the moment is no threat yeah, but but this is all, you know, political strategy. So they're obviously not gaining traction. They see her fundraising efforts, which is not the be all and end all in political leaderships, but it sure is a good indicator of where people are leaning. And she's blowing everybody else out of the water. So they obviously sat down and tried to get all three of the uh, other contenders together. Uh, Ted uh, Sue as well. Uh, he said, I'm not playing this game, which was probably smart of him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they said, well, what can we do to get over the top? We saw this in the uh, mayor's race back in the uh, spring where Mark Saunders came out early and said, I'm the only one who can stop Olivia Chow. That didn't work for him either. Let's move on to, uh, I'm somewhat surprised, I have to say, Deb, I'll be interested in your take on this, how activist uh, the Ontario government is becoming in the workplace. And the latest aspect will be um, to ban requiring recent arrivals in Canada to actually have Canadian work experience when they apply for a job. So if you're a pipe fitter from India, then you could easily, you, you could get a job. We can't say, no, you have to be a pipe fitter in Ontario for two years before you apply to my company. So the motive here is bang on. Kudos to the Ontario government for what they're trying to do, which is to help with a labor shortage here in the province and to make sure that that economic immigrants coming to this country, coming to this province in particular, are able to work in the field for which they were probably picked to come to this country. So they're trying to make sure that both those things are, are happening. So that is the right motive. The question is, will this particular policy do that? Will it meet either of those goals? And I think it's possible. I don't know if it is likely. And we also have to be mindful that in some careers, in some professions, there's a reason why you would have to work in Ontario. So I'm hopeful this that the, the policy matches the motive. Uh, but I guess we'll see in time.
Another workplace issue, and that would be increasingly, it seems, Canadians who are posting about the conflict in the Middle East are being disciplined or even fired for their from their jobs. And I keep on wondering, Deb, why people feel this urgent need to weigh in in the first place. Yeah. So like this is this is something that is foreign to us in our early days because of it wasn't we didn't have social media, John. Yeah. And that is the big difference, obviously. But, you know, we've seen it in all kinds of ways. We saw it when a, a you know, a guy threw a, a beer can on the on the uh, Blue Jays field. We've seen it in the convoy uh, situation where we had police officers who were disciplined. Um, so. I just I think people have to show judgment. And if they don't, and in this particular uh, conflict, like we're not talking just stupidity, we're talking outright hate in many cases, then, you know, freedom of speech doesn't mean I get to say whatever I want anywhere I want at any time without repercussions. So these are your repercussions. Apparently, Canadians are giving up hope of interest rate reductions. I've also given up hope that it's going to be 25 degrees tomorrow. I don't know why anybody thinks that the interest rate is going to come down in the next year. So I think I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for this. And, and, you know, our listeners can say, well, that's great. You bought your house when interest rates were higher and you bought accordingly. But here's my problem. When we had crazy low interest rates, people overspent, period. And it feels to me like they're playing some game of, you know, that should be kept in Las Vegas on their mortgage, on their house, on the place they live, on their biggest investment. And that's just crazy. Like, I don't understand this notion that, well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it variable and I'll keep it variable and I'll lock it in now. And I'll, like, it's crazy. I started my mortgage at six and a quarter and I have continued to pay at that rate for as long as I needed to because it's my house for goodness sake. It's the most money I'll ever spend in my entire life. People need to wake up and the notion that, you know, you're going to get next to free money for your house. It's just whack. Yeah, it's funny. I was having the same thoughts this morning, and then I thought, is this going to make me sound like a big meanie if I talk about it on the air? But yeah, I took out a variable rate mortgage because it has worked out for me for actually decades, but I always prepared for the likelihood that this holiday would come to an end. And I think people have been, you know, looking at a central bank rate of 0.25 for several years as if it was going to last forever. Yeah. And, and again, uh, you know, you and I bought our houses at a time yeah, when we're lucky. it was different. We are very lucky, but, but we were also like, we were smart, right? We, I knew how much it would cost and I was approved for far more than the purchase price of my house because I thought to myself, oh my God, I'd have no money left over if I bought the house that the bank told me I could buy. So many stories these days are about bystanders, and that's because you can whip out your cell phone and capture everything on video. So bystanders capturing on video what appears to be, Deb, a police officer boarding a streetcar and handing a ticket to the driver of the streetcar. And here's what the streetcar driver had done. Went into an intersection when he couldn't clear it, ended up blocking it. Cross traffic was trapped, so he was blocking the box. And yeah, I say bring it on. So it's funny because on one hand, if you're creating a, a bigger traffic jam, it sounds like this cop was a little over the top too, which we, we do find uh, in, in police forces. So there's some negatives about this story, which is why it caught fire, I think, on social media. But I'm with you. If you block the box, particularly if you're a massive streetcar, you deserve to be ticketed. 
Like you really do. I am so sick of people. And it's, it's not only for me driving, but I see it in the morning when I walk my youngest to school. They, they completely block the crosswalk and I'm still walking her. So at least it's somewhat safe, but it is actually not only frustrating, but for pedestrians, very, very dangerous. So. Uh, ultimately, I like this notion, even if there was some negatives attached to it. Yeah. Well, and also, it, this is a professional driver, so they should have a better conduct. But I do sympathize sometimes, Deb, with uh, what happens when people end up blocking the box. Because if you stop, what you're supposed to do is remain at the stop line until you can completely clear the intersection. So if there's a car ahead of you that is just, you know, its tail is on the stop line on the other side of the intersection, you can't go. However, when you do that, the person behind you starts honking. Yeah, we'll get over it, right? I mean, <laughs> okay. seriously, like our city, we've how many times have we talked about how gridlocked we are? And one of the issues is exactly this. So we need to follow the rules. We need to enforce the rules because uh, it's only going to get worse. Thanks a lot for this. Talk to you a little later on in the show. Sounds great, John. Deb Hutton will join us at 920 this morning. And uh, that's all part of what I call our anchor hosts. 